You are Locked On Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I am your host, not Mitch Kupchak. Today, we're going to talk about me being back in the league. I'm really excited for this opportunity. We'll see where it goes. I'm joined by Harrison Fagan, some blogger I've never met. This is kind of weird. How are you doing, Harrison? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. This is a weird start to the show. It was a little weird. Yeah, it was a little weird. Anywho, hey, we got we got um somebody on Twitter said that we had the best opens to the show, so we're just gonna keep on doing weird stuff. So yeah, I mean that one Twitter guy. <laughs> and I that's got, who we're listening to. I got I got that one tweet and said, you know what? I'm really gonna go out there and open the show with Mitch Anthony. A- Anthony, major fan of confirmation bias. He's like, I like doing these intros. So this one guy on this one guy on Twitter with like ten followers told me he liked them. So I think, you know, I'm gonna stick with it. This guy seems like. Hey, you know. I just I want you guys all to know this. Harrison is the one who just follower snobbed that guy who was nice enough to compliment us. So hey, I I just want like this guy to know this. Nothing personal. <laughs> I just had to make fun of Anthony always always go for the joke all right so let's uh today's show there's a reason i opened the show is with mitch voice is he's back he's back and and there's nothing going on with the lakers they didn't even practice yesterday so what we're going to talk about is is mitch kupchak and and uh we're going to look back on his lakers tenure tenure i am going to make the argument that i think he he really easily deserved this new job another another look in the nba yeah we're we're in agreement on that yeah so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that stuff uh as always make sure you guys are following the show on megaphone slash panoply itunes tune in stitcher today's fast break spotify alexa lakers nation where harrison writes uh lakers outsiders where i write you can follow me on twitter at anthony in la you can follow harrison on twitter at i have more followers than you uh <laughs> <laughs> Anthony continuing to do his best to make me the villain, but will inadvertently say something that pisses off all of Lakers Twitter on this yeah, show without yeah. even trying to. So it'll happen. All right, let's go yeah. ahead and talk about it, though. So uh, Mitch Kupchak was offered. Uh, did we ever hear if he accepted it? Did they ever? It, make it sounds like they were moving closer, but from the report. But he he has officially been offered the GM job before he was just the front runner. But Charlotte has officially said, Mitch Kupchak, we would like you to be Mitch Cutback in the NBA. <laughs> and you know, do you think? All right, so this figure is, out what we should do with Campbell Walker, please. How is the first question not what the hell with Lou Aldang and Timothy Moskov? Like oh, how, I'm sure that came up in the interview. How is how how does he even answer that? Uh, that was Jim. <laughs> you realize, That's an easy answer. That's an easy answer. Listen here, Mike. You realize Jim made me work with a bartender? A bartender, Mike. A bartender. 
Hey, don't don't knock the Lakers scouting department. They found some gems. That might have been all Chaz. Who knows? <laughs> uh, I mean, their draft class this year would suggest otherwise. But you know, really, the, really though, they're um, you know, aside from Dang and Mozgov, super successful tenure for for Mitch Kupchak. I, I think yeah, he, you don't last that long if you're not successful. Yeah, he, he was a part of like what, like five, five? titles. Well, well, at least five titles. Well, well, then the Showtime titles, titles. Five titles. Uh, I think. Well, so he was with Jerry West for the three peat. Jerry yes. West was in charge for that. And, well, he was the GM. He was officially the GM of the last two of the three peat. Mm-hmm. Like he was officially the shot caller. He had been GM for the whole three peat, but Jerry West was still the top decision maker. And then Jerry West stepped down, and then Mitch Kupchak was, was like calling the shots for mm-hmm. the final two years of the three peat. But at that point. Like, yes, he had to supplement them, but that team was already built. And so he really, I think, showed his expertise and his qualifications in that next team that ended up uh, repeating the Kobe Pow teams. Well, they 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 obviously you have Kobe and Shaq to work with back there for the three P, but they also had I mean, they had to they had to fill the power forward position three different times. They had, first they had AC Green, then they had. Horace Grant, and then they had Robert Ory, right? Those were the original stretch four. The Robert, the Robert Ory signing is, uh, or, or the trade that was controversial. That was he had just thrown a towel at his coach's face in I think Houston or Phoenix, wherever he was. And then I think it was Danny time. Ainge. So that probably was what solidified to them that they needed to like sign him. <laughs> Lakers legend. Yeah, uh, they're like, oh, this guy already hates Danny Ainge. All right, sign him up. Let's trade for him. <laughs> Uh, but but I would imagine though that Mitch was was probably pretty heavily involved in in drafting Derek Fisher and he was in the room when when they traded for Kobe like those are not small moves the Shaq signing was a no brainer because he was Shaq but but they did some stuff back then that you know they they unearthed when you get a, a player it, where they drafted Fisher I think he was a second rounder and they he was no he a, was late first I think. Well, he was—he wound up being a, a what eight or nine year starter in the NBA. Yeah, no, he was a really good, regardless of where, like late first round, early second round. That was a solid pick, right? And 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 Kobe, like when when they traded for Kobe, there was a lot of co- talk about wait, where Vade was very popular among the fan base. Uh, we saw that he's a useful player. He he gave the Lakers a hard time when he was back out there in in Sacramento, uh, so he was still a, a good productive player back then. And Kobe was this like relative unknown uh, high school kid who now you know he kind of helped everybody. He helped the Lakers out by not working working out for anybody. But he you know that that was that was not a a just easy run of the mill trade that it would sound like when you say yeah the Lakers traded Vlade Divac for Kobe. You don't immediately go whoa that was that that's a no brainer. It, it wasn't at the time, and and I would imagine Mitch was was in on those deals. And then we'll talk. And, well, the other thing too is you know you mentioned what is he going to say about the dang Mozgov deals in his interview. I think that was just his interview. Was yeah. he was like, hey, who fleeced you guys for Kobe? I know it wasn't the same Hornets. I know that they moved to New Orleans, and this is a new franchise. But still, do you think he really flexed and walked in on the in the interview wearing he a walked Kobe in, in a Kobe in a Kobe Hornets jersey <laughs> yeah. and be like, this could have been you, but you plan hire me. <laughs> Um, all right, we are going to talk about some of the other moves that he made and, and look ahead to some of the stuff that he might be doing in Charlotte. We'll get to that here in a second. So 
we we talked about the three peat stuff and and some of the the moves that he was a little bit more peripherally involved, but he was the architect to the to the pow back to back titles, right? He traded for he traded for pow. Uh, he was there. He he had to trade. Shaq, remember that was that was Mitch's doing. I remember we were at a preseason game, and it was me and my dad, and they showed Mitch over the uh, big screen, and he was booed. He was booed because he had just traded Shaq, uh, and you know, I, personally, I I think it's crazy that he somehow traded Shaq and didn't get Dwayne Wade back. That's kind of crazy, but they did get Odom, and Odom wound up. Uh, he was he was a huge part of winning two titles when when Powell and and Kobe were here and and really the the Powell and Odom front court was kind of a they I mean it was a, it was a modern there was a kind of the beginning of the modern style basketball right and even despite playing with the triangle it was a little positionless just in that Odom was kind of the point guard with those second units mm-hmm. and so. You know, it, it was it was modern in that way. It wasn't really modern in the way that we think about like stretch fours and stuff like like Odom shot threes pretty well a couple times. Like, like a, he was an OK three point shooter during his yeah. time with the Lakers, but he wasn't what we think about, like as far as just spacing the floor and having the four out type style of play. Mm-hmm. But the way that those two that pairing passed from the post was crazy. Oh man, I used to. I mean, the, the the triangle involves a lot of high post and and post to post type passes, and it was wonderful to watch. It was so much fun to watch those guys do that. No, it was it was basketball porn sometimes. The yeah. way that like the the like the Twitter pa- actually the amount the the yeah exactly the the basketball IQ of those teams was off the charts. Like as far as just like like when they had the triumvirate out there of Kobe, Powell, and Odom, mm-hmm. that was like just three really really high basketball IQ players. Yep. And, and then, then you add in like you know Derek Fisher was right? obviously like uh, Sasha Vujacic, um, <laughs> <laughs> arguably Mitch's greatest draft pick. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and then and then you kind of with the, with those teams again, you know, yes, you have the you have the core of Kobe. And Powell, but you did have to find some pieces around the, uh, you know, to to fill out that roster, and some of those role players were were hugely important, and 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 that's where, in my opinion, that's where you see the difference between, you know, a mediocre and average GM and a good one. Is you kind of see, all right, we we got the superstars here. Now, how do we make this roster work around them? And yeah, because that's the thing. Like, it, it's oversimplifying to say anyone can identify the superstars. Like, sometimes you find a guy like Harden who was legitimately undervalued in his current in his former situation mm-hmm. and was better than he was being used as. But that is very seldom. Normally, anyone can identify the superstars, and it's finding the guys that go under them and putting together the perfect team for your coach's style of play and the way that your star wants to play. Like, that's the hard part. And I think that is almost like where you saw Mitch's greatest strengths and weaknesses. I think like uh, he could give the job interview answer. If somebody was like, like, well, what's your greatest weakness? He'd be like, I, I'm, I like to make the big move. And like, <laughs> it almost sounds like it's like a strength too. Right. And it's kind of like that because he was, this was a guy like, you know, he made the big trade for Pau Gasol when the Lakers looked like they were kind of like, they were a fun upstart playoff team. And then all of a sudden they lost Bynum. And then he makes the huge shakeup trade for Gasol. Uh, he's the guy who kind of infamously let Ariza go 
to replace him with Ron Artest. And there were a lot of people that were unhappy with that when it happened. And but he was like, hey, you know, I'm going to like make the big move and try and improve us with this bigger name. And it ended up working. They needed Ron Artest in the finals. And then you kind of started to see the downfall of it when they had the, this is going to be fun. Dwight and Nash teams. Oh. Uh, they had, you know, like the Dang and Mozgov contracts, like you mentioned, like this is a guy who is not afraid to swing for mm-hmm. better or worse. And sometimes he's going to strike out. But then sometimes he's going to make these big moves that end up being exactly what the team needs. And I'm curious to see how much that was okay, I'm with the Lakers and I can make these big moves and we have this big budget and I can do whatever I want. And like, and it was influenced by that as far as taking the big swing and how much of it is like actually his GM style. And I think we'll find that out now that he's under kind of like uh, he's working for a smaller market team if and when he accepts this job. And if he doesn't accept this job, man, is this the worst podcast of all time? (laughs) Please take the job, Mitch. The other thing, too, you mentioned you mentioned that pow trade. That was at a time that was the season Kobe said he would play on Pluto. Yeah. He was he was ready to go play on Pluto. He actually like uh, like LeBron James seen shopping for houses in Los Angeles. Kobe and his family were seen shop looking at elementary schools on, on Pluto. Pluto. Yeah, on yeah. Pluto. It was like before they declared it an ice rock. It was a, <laughs> it would have been a bold move for Kobe. <laughs> Although if like an ice rock is is basically like Kobe's heart, right? Like yeah. we're. Uh, Oh, but yeah, exactly. That, that's actually it's it's his Mount Doom. It's where he wants to go and retire. <laughs> like once he's done making Muse Cage videos, he's just going to like carry out threats at planet Earth from Pluto. <laughs> and Mitch Kupchak will give him his pow and everything will be OK. Yeah. So he's going to be like, I, I have all these demands. And Mitch Kupchak's going to be like, we send you Pau Gasol in this, you know, in this trade rocket package. And Pow, just you see him like you know gallantly walking towards the towards the rocket. He's just happy to go and help people. Tweets about it in two languages. I love Pow. I love Pow. Pow is honestly the best. <laughs> I think he would come on this podcast like if we asked nicely. He's just Maybe. that nice a dude. Although he doesn't I, I, do much. I don't know if Pow has time for that. Pow's like going to go like he wants to be a like, doctor. Give surgery to somebody who like doesn't have money for it. Yeah, during his spare time. Maybe yeah. we could interview him during that. He's gonna figure out. He's gonna figure out the uh, the healthcare crisis. The uh, the other thing that we need to talk about here is you mentioned and you alluded to the disaster that was that this is going to be fun season. But the Lakers did. Mitch Kupchak did figure out a way to put the Lakers in a decent spot. Now it took five years, but he put the Lakers in a decent spot despite swinging and missing the way that he did. And we'll we'll uh, we'll detail that here in a second. Mitch Kupchak, the new Sam Hinkie or nah? <laughs> I mean, he did. I, I mean, it's one of my favorite memes of all time, right, is when he when he was on Bleacher Report and he said, you know, unfortunately, it looks like we're going to have some high traffics. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and he's just like winking and giving the thumbs up to the reporter as he's doing it. It's amazing. No, I think like it's funny how the two situations are like somewhat similar, but they're different in the way that they're perceived because of who took over. Mm-hmm. And so – Cupcheck was let go despite putting the Lakers on like a pretty good path in some ways, at least as far as the draft picks mm-hmm. go. And, you know, obviously the Dang and Mozgov contracts, Philly didn't have anything go wrong like that under Hinky. They had different problems to deal with. And that's why they ended up getting like kind of a league insider and Brian Colangelo getting like the nepotism job. Mm-hmm. And like that guy, that dude is hated 
by Philadelphia 76ers fans. And mm-hmm. so should be. no matter like no matter what he does, he could go and trade for their version of Pau Gasol and put them into championship contention next year. And Sam Hinkie is still going to be the one that the blog boys log <laughs> laud when uh, when the Sixers win a title. Uh, whereas with like, you know, with, with the Lakers, because it was Magic Johnson to take over next. Like, let's just say, you know, Kupchak, he drafted Julius Randle. Let's just say Julius Randle becomes an MVP in like three years. Like Magic Johnson's going to still get credit for that. And Luke Walton's going to get credit for that. And Mitch Kupchak is going to get no credit for it. I'm not saying I don't think that's particularly likely to happen. I'm just saying like the extreme scenario of that happening because the guy who took over for Kupchak is so beloved. He's going to be the one to get all the credit no matter how this Lakers rebuild goes. And on some level, he deserves credit. He's the one out here making the moves. But, you know, uh, we'll, Mitch laid the groundwork. We, I mean, you, you mentioned the, the Dang and Mozgov disasters. And, again, that's something that he had to overcome in, in talking in his interview, I would imagine. But, uh, you know, they, they basically left the this-is-going-to-be-fun team. They only had a, a, a number seven pick, and they've gone from that to uh, they drafted Randall with that number seven overall pick, then they drafted Russell, then they drafted Ingram, and, and now they drafted Clarkson Lonzo. And, and Clarkson, who was a – who they, they – you know, they got him at 46. Nance Yeah, Clarkson, is, Nance. Mm-hmm. You know, like whether uh, those aren't Mitch picks, like he's not out there scouting those guys at the bottom of the draft, but he's making the final call. And he also with, assembled you know, that team. Like he assembled yeah. that scouting department, right? And, and those yeah, that's guys, what he, he at the very least knows how to scout scouts. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see like what direction he goes. Like, does he offer Ryan West an assistant GM job? Right. Do you, does does that yeah, does it, that kind of thing happen? I don't know what the relationships like there, but it would no. be interesting. And. You know, I I think I I, what I'm really interested to see is what he does. Like we're going to see how much of the Lakers, quote unquote, tanking over the last couple of years of his of his thing was him and how much of that was Jim and how much of it was reality, because we're going to find out like real quick if he just decides to sell off a bunch of guys this summer, because I think if he takes this job, I think the bidding is going to be open on Kemba Walker. Yes. Would you would you trade for Kemba? I don't think the I don't think that's really a fit with the Lakers. Would you trade all right, Lonzo for Kemba straight up if if we could make the contracts work? Who uh, who yells You can't ask me that because no matter what I say, people are gonna hate me. Yeah, who who yells louder? Who which fan base gets more angry about it? About the question merely being asked, even because that's I would imagine that, I think Lakers fans. Honestly, I do, because I think Hornets fans kind of know like you know, here we've right, hit our ceiling here with Kemba, whereas like Lonzo, at least you have more time to see what he becomes and more time and it like allows you to kick the can down the road and have future hope again. Kemba Walker is not getting any better at this point, or at least not huge leaps and bounds forward better. He might make little tweaks and start to continue to improve. And Kemba Walker's really good. Yeah, there's no so guarantee Lonzo winds up being as good as Kemba. No, there's no guarantee, but there's a chance he winds up a lot better. And mm-hmm. I'm willing to gamble on that. Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't know which way I'd I would probably, lean. I, I'd go Lonzo, and I think there are going to be people mad about that because Kemba is obviously so much better than him right now. I would, but I just think the like Lonzo already like he's like the second. I think he's first overall in point guards in defensive plus minus, yeah. mm-hmm. and that like that's insane yep. for a rookie. Like yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I know he can't shoot. Like he's he's a terrible shooter right now, but. Like he's he's had stretches where he shot pretty well. And if he can get more consistent and work on a shot over this summer, I just don't see any way that he's not like a top 
15 top 10 player at some point if he just figures out the shot player or point guard player wow that's interesting i don't know if i would go he that just far. figures out the shot that's 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 a big if that's a big player is crazy i don't know if i would go so far as to no, say no i go player like he has such a positive effect on the way the lakers move the ball and he's already such a good defender and then you just project out like a couple years growth where he continues to make steps forward in like various areas and refine you know his intelligence how he reads the game his ability as a half court player and if he can just hit a couple shots here and there like i i think like if he can just become like you know a 50 percent shooter i think well, you know, you know how my, you know my stance on shooting though is it's kind of weird the way people do the math on this is that you know like if you if you have a player who isn't a very good athlete they don't say well if he just becomes more athletic it's hard to add no athleticism. I agree like that's what I'm saying that's a big if and yeah. improving your shot is not a, is never a guarantee people act like you can just go and put up a hundred jumpers and you're going to be Kyle Korver in no time like that's mm-hmm. not true there is some natural component to shooting ability but we've seen over NBA history you can improve shooting you don't generally improve athleticism right although it's it's tough in either direction it it yeah. is hard in either direction I would argue harder in athleticism. You know, you kind of you kind of have what God gave you at some point. Yeah, although although you can make a lack of athleticism work. I don't know if yeah, you can. Like I don't know if you can make NBA career. Yeah, I don't know if you can make a lack of a shooting stroke as a lead guard work as well. We'll see. Or and, you know, maybe we won't. If Lonzo's dealing out. with both, he needs to become more athletic and shoot better. Um, I want to leave on this point here. Like, what would your? That was a weird aside. What, what would <laughs> that was your, like a long sidebar. What would your what would your expectations be of of Cupcheck at this point? Championship like, or bust? Like we both we both agree that he one hundred percent deserves this opportunity. Oh and yeah, I'm, he he made, he had such a successful tenure with the Lakers for so many years, and there were so many extenuating circumstances about how those bad contracts happened mm-hmm. the last summer that he was employed with the Lakers because you know like. That how much of that was Jim Buss just saying, hey, we need to swing for the fences now so that I can save my job. And if these guys work out, then great. Or it's just them saying like the other thing that I mentioned today in my write up of it is they're far from the only GMs that gave out some terrible contracts. Oh, that, that that, <laughs> that's, you know, like almost everyone. Everyone but the Warriors gave out some terrible contracts that summer. And like Portland, like people are lauding their GM now. Like this is the same guy that gave Evan Turner and Alan Crabb all that money. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can make you can make a dumb decision because you overproject the cap and still be a good GM. Yeah. And there was like common common thought at the time was that the cap was going to keep going up. And so if you're the Lakers, why wouldn't you want to st- spend big, even if you think that you're overpricing on these guys? Yep. I, I completely agree. Not and so I, I, I think, think that not, I still I maintain that those contracts were a defensible decision at the time. Oof, I would obviously not say didn't that. work out. I was, <laughs> I was pretty I was pretty this is gonna shock you guys. I was pretty livid at the time when those when Oh those man, deals. I remember I wrote like the next day like three reasons why the Mozgov contract might make sense. <laughs> and not only did I get asked to like call into radio shows and stuff, because I think they were just having a hard time finding anybody who was positive <laughs> on it. But that thing was a traffic workhorse for the rest of the year. There were that thing was getting consistently pretty good engagement throughout the entire year, just because Lakers fans were so desperate to see rumors <laughs> that Mozgov or like, like reasons that Mozgov might not be a complete abject disaster. So that's my bad guys. I fake news to you. 
I apologize. I'm going to just like Mitch Kupchak with the Hornets. Maybe I'm going to try and be better. That's a that's that's one of those. This did not age well. Or the, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's like freezing cold takes. Please don't dig that up. <laughs> I might I might retweet it tonight. I'm going to see fine. if I can find I'm, it. Hey, I'm, I'm happy, like, I'm happy to, like, get called out when I was wrong in the past. Like, nobody bats 100%. <laughs> uh, I, I, meant, I meant this is going to be the last thing. And, and it, kind of, it kind of addresses what I think is a mistake that the Lakers have made. And I thought that they cut ties um, a little too coldly, considering everything that Mitch Kupchak did. And yeah. the way the way a lot of the way a lot of fans look at Mitch Kupchak, I think, is a direct result of the way that they handled that. And I think it's a disservice to a dude who not only won the five titles that we were talking about, won titles as a player too, mind you. And then on top of that, on his way out, instead of saving his job, uh, he he put his foot down and did not trade Ingram or or. Uh, Russell or anybody for for Bogey. it would have had to be both I think yeah if it, I remember correctly right and and that was that was him saying look this might save my job but it is not in the best interests of the organization and of the franchise and he didn't do it and and uh, you know you add all of those things up and in my opinion I think that you know there was there was never like a I don't think there was ever a a public you know thank you for all of your hard work no kind of message like that and I thought. I thought that was really effed up, like <laughs> supremely yeah, effed and up. Yeah, like, but you. So you mentioned that that he he didn't do that on the way out. That honestly is the type of move that gets you your next job because you're showing your next employer like your dedication to the process, yeah, and to the plan that you laid out, and that you're not going to shortcut it just because you're facing pressure from them. And that's honestly, I think, an admirable quality, especially for a team with that is owned by Michael Jordan, who has probably who has been accused of meddling a little bit in the past. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. That'll do it for this episode of the Locked On Lakers podcast. I am really looking forward to, to what we can see from Mitch Kupchak. I think he's going to be good. I think it's a great hire by the Hornets. I'm really, really looking forward to his first tampering fine, which I think he has to set like immediately. No, I don't. Yeah, he's got to set a precedent. Like this is a new Mitch Cup check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As he, it was, he agrees to a contract with someone, it's reported two weeks in advance of free agency. <laughs> yeah, no, he's gonna he's gonna join Twitter and start tweeting at players. Just to be honest, like that stuff was so overblown. Yeah. Like they did not come to a deal with Mozgov within a minute of free agency. That was like like. They definitely they tampered like it's like like there's no there's no way they didn't tamper for that. Like no, you can't even as fast as Woj tweeted that you can't get on the phone and get somebody to agree to a contract that quickly and then text Woj about it. Right. I, like that's I am, just not humanly possible. I am uh, going to speculate wildly here and and uh, maybe get myself into some trouble. But that was 100 percent somebody doing Palinka a favor and airing that kind of stuff. Right. Just to. Yeah, no, I don't I don't I don't doubt that. Like that didn't make like like that was, hey, look, we're the new Lakers and we're going to like do this stuff that the other guys are criticized for not doing. And I think probably for the most part, Mitch Kupchak was a Boy Scout. Like he has enough he has enough Mm -hmm. reputation. Maybe that wasn't him. Maybe that was Jim calling up, you know, Moskov's agent. And that would probably be even better for Mitch Kupchak's next job and job interview. If he he got a job. 
you know <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah no that was uh that was jim and chaz i i woke up the next day and found out about that deal jim and chaz played a really messed up game of russian roulette <laughs> i i called jim the next morning and i said is it april fool's day how long did i sleep and he's like oh just the night like he's like did, why did you sign mozgov and he's like oh you know it seemed like a good idea at the time i i didn't know i signed mozgov yeah i had no idea chaz and i you know we like chaz is just laughing in the other room <laughs> april fools in july uh, no maybe it was an april fools joke and the agent mozgov's agent was like no that's this is actually happening you're signing my client yeah that was a, we had a verbal contract <laughs> <laughs> in russia jokes tell you <clears throat> all right that'll do it before i really send the russian mafia after me that was probably not the best idea we will be back again to talk oh, about I expect the show to end. <laughs> to talk actual Lakers stuff. If I make it to our next show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, some of you probably hoping he doesn't. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And thank you to that one guy who liked our, our opens. We'll talk to everybody. Seriously, I, I appreciate all of our listeners, but just don't stop encouraging Anthony. 